uh, One Hope 27 is an organization that uh, kind of was birthed out of our hearts uh, to reach the city of Milwaukee and to uh, see kids in the foster care system uh, touched. Uh, we believe, I believe in the local church. I love what you guys are doing. I love this series. Uh, I watched last week's message and I've been thinking about how, that, how to incorporate what you guys have already been talking about. And man, you guys are talking about and practicing God's heart. And uh, that's a big deal. So Pastor Dave, uh, thanks for leading in that. And you guys are going to see enormous things and God's uh, blessings upon blessing as you guys continue to grow, as you continue to do God's heart. One Hope 27, uh, I believe, is God's heart. It's birthed out of the scripture, James 27, where that says, Pure and faultless religion in the eyes of God is to care for widows and orphans in their distress. And you might not know this because I didn't. I grew up on the north side of Milwaukee. Uh, I went to Heritage Christian School all the way, kindergarten through 12th grade. I got a little plaque that said, hey, congratulations, you did this. And uh, I grew up in the city. I grew up in Milwaukee. I never knew what foster care was. I knew what adoption was. I didn't know what foster care was. I was blind to it. I didn't see it. But as me and my wife continued, uh, and we got married, and we always wanted to adopt, uh, we kind of started on uh, this journey, and we started uh, to get involved in foster care and kind of understand what is happening and what is happening in Milwaukee. On any day in Milwaukee, there are over 2,000 kids uh, that are in the foster care system, and every single month, there's 100 new kids that enter sobering you think about wow these kids are taken even to us maybe suburban maybe city we have good life we think wow we they're living in hardship they're living in brokenness but they're losing everything that they knew and i believe that the church not only is the hope for the world but the hope for the foster care system so One Hope 27, what we do is we go around, we talk to churches, we talk to individuals, we talk to businesses and schools about getting involved. Because some of you are sitting there right now, you're thinking, oh no, this guy's going to be a foster dad. I can't do that. We'll get to that, man. But what I want you to realize is that there's a need, and then we're going to talk about what the Bible says about that need and how we are called to do something. So I want you to keep your mind open today. Um, as we talk about broken things and broken places, where we really have to start is that we have to set our foundation on the gospel. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Galatians 4, verse 4 through 5. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says this, but when the set come, and you can read that as just the right time. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That phrase, born under the law, means that he was destined to die, that he was under the law of sin, that he was under the law, destined to die. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. See, as you, involve, as you get involved in brokenness and as the church continues to wrap their arms around the hurting of this world, you have to set your foundation on the gospel and realize that we do. The gospel compels us. How does the gospel, gospel compel us? Because that's what Jesus did for us. This verse could be a Christmas passage, Galatians 4. I don't know how many of you ever heard Galatians 4 preached as a, uh, as a Christmas message, but you could. Why? Because this is what God does. See, the world tells us to do something. The world tells us to insulate, to isolate, to step back, 
and to surround ourselves with people that are not broken, to turn a, to turn a blind eye, to look away, to step away. But the gospel, what God did is totally opposite. He flips the script and he says, hey, I'm not turning away from brokenness, I'm turning to brokenness. I'm not turning away from hurt, I'm turning to hurt. The world will teach us a different thing. The world will teach us, hey, you need to isolate, you need to separate, segregate, step away. But that is opposite of what God wants us to do. God wants us to intentionally step towards. Why? Because that's what he did for me and you. We sang it about three times today. We're loved because of him. We're loved. And some of you need to hear that today. Some of you need to just rest in that today, that you are loved. Let that sink in today as you're with family and as you're uh, relaxing. Hopefully you get a nap today. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you just need to stop and say, all the craziness of life, regardless of what happened on Friday, what God walking into on Monday, today we are loved by him. And so as we reach out, as we step into brokenness, as we step into hard places and hard things, that we need to set our feet on the gospel and realize, number one, that the gospel compels us. Not only does it compel us, but it sustains us. Why? Because when you step into hard things, it's hard. Sean and I, uh, we started foster care about eight years ago. And uh, we started for the wrong reasons. Uh, that's a whole other sermon for another day. Uh, we started to adopt. Foster care system is not an adoption agency. We didn't know that. We were young. We were dumb, but we were following our hearts and what we felt God was wanting us to do. Uh, we got on the list, went through all the classes, did all the things, thought we were model foster parents. Thought, oh, they're going to give us kids. They're going to call us day one. They didn't call us day one, thank God. Uh, we got to the holidays. And we thought, oh, how awesome to bring a child to the holidays for us. That would be so cool for our families. Again, wrong mindset, uh, wrong idea. We were uh, we're going to be heroes idea, and that's opposite. Uh, but we got a call uh, in March for a three-month little girl eight years ago, March, seven years ago, March. Uh, she came, and as soon as she walked in the door, she was ours, but she wasn't. We spent four years riding the roller coaster of foster care, fighting against mom, uh, fighting against visits, uh, seeing what they were doing to her, uh, hated, didn't want any help from mom, wanted her to fail, was excited when she missed visits, was excited when she messed up. Because we thought, ah, yes, another closer to adoption. Four years later, we were able to adopt that little girl. When you have kids that come from hard places into your home, they come with them, they come with hard things and hard problems and hard issues, every single one. Thank God we were able to adopt her, and we were also able to adopt her two uh, half-brothers. Uh, we've also had uh, two other little girls come into our home and stay for a while. We, last year, uh, last school year, not the past one, the previous one, uh, we had a 17-year-old guy come stay with us. Hard things, hard places, brokenness. And there are times where you're going to want to give up. There's times where you're going to want to say, God, what am I doing? Your family is going to say, what are you doing? You're going to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing? We have to remember that not only does the gospel compel us, but the gospel sustains us. We have to realize, God, you did this for me. 
so I'm going to. You did this for us, so we're going to. Step into hardness, not turn away. Um, two years ago, Sean and I, uh, again, crazy. People still today, when I tell you, you're going to be like, you're, you're not right in the head. Uh, we had a nice home in Germantown, white, suburb, white suburb, loved it. Nice little farmhouse, big backyard for the kids. Uh, we felt a stirring that God was moving us towards hardness, towards brokenness, towards hurt. And we read a book by Henry Nouwen called uh, Compassion in the Christian Life, right? Yes, thank you. See, she's my warrior. <laughs> compassion in the Christian Life, and it talks about compassion and reaching out and what that looks like and that it's not standing a place up here, reaching down. It's not... Um, it's not giving from your extra their need. It's you. Uh, he said, said a phrase that said, compassion is moving in next door and building a home there. And we knew immediately that God was calling us to move. We thought, okay, we're going to move into Milwaukee. What does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, we moved into the Sherman Park neighborhood the day before the riots. It was a great day. Uh, we moved in. We had people. We actually had a block party that day. Uh, closed off the streets. Kids were on their bikes. It was awesome. We went to bed that night not really knowing what was going on. We were about eight, eight, nine blocks away. Uh, started getting texts. Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? What are you talking about? What's going on? On the TV, an instant fear like we've never experienced in our lives. That night as we went to bed, we heard, all we could hear were helicopters over top of us and everything that was going on. But out of that brokenness was beauty that we've never seen before. That Sunday we woke up and with our neighbors, we were able to pray for the police that were stopped right across our street. We walked to Sherman Park and we prayed with people of every ethnic background, of every, uh, every age, every social status, we're there praying. Why? Because we knew that God needed to show up. There's beauty in the brokenness. But again, it's the gospel that compels us and the gospel that sustains us. You look in the mirror, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why did God call me to here? Why did God, why did God move me here? Again, it's not because us. It's because of the gospel. Second thing we need to do is that we need to change our focus. One of my favorite stories is in, I, uh, I can't remember if we put this one up on there, Dave, in Acts chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. Peter heals a lame beggar. If you remember in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit had just come. Uh, Peter had just preached, and people were being added to their numbers. They were full of the Holy Spirit. They were walking Holy Spirit, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit that changed Peter and Paul's focus. Because if you read the text, it says that they went by a man that had been at the temple gates for every day. Someone had came, brought this beggar, lame man, and set him at the temple gate called Beautiful. And Peter and Paul, just off, filled with the Holy Spirit, were walking to church. And it was that one day that they stopped and they saw him. Why didn't they see him every other day? Or maybe they did. Maybe you're like me and you drive in Milwaukee and you uh, stop on the and you try not to look at the guy 
holding the sign, because if you catch eyes, uh, bad news, right? We see, but do we really see? I believe God is calling us to, as a church, is calling us to change our focus. Not to see what we want to see, but to see what he sees. It was about um, three years into our journey with uh, Nyla uh, that her little baby brother Judah was born. Um, up until that point, we was at a distance. We didn't want anything to do with her. We were excited that she was failing. We were excited that she again, wrong mindset. Um, Sharon had touched base with her. She, mom was giving birth. And she was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take Nyla to the hospital to see the, her baby brother. So she, they made plans. Mom wanted uh, some Pepsis and Cheetos maybe. I don't, can't remember. She wanted some snacks. Sharon picked up some flowers with her, or with Nyla. And the night before, as they were making the plan, she said, hey, is somebody going to come be with you? Yeah, 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 I have a friend coming. My aunt's coming. I'm fine. Sharon showed up the next day with Nyla to meet her baby brother. With flowers in hand, excitement all over her face to meet this little baby. Walked into the room and through the conversation, Sharon realized that nobody had showed up for mom. That there in a hospital room, sterile, with nurses, she gave birth to this baby boy. And it was that moment that we said, Yes, she is somebody that has some issues, but man, she's broken. She is broken. And here we are, thinking that we're going to be some savior, thinking that we're here to try to save the child from this situation, not realizing everybody else that's involved in that, not realizing that there was a grandpa on the side, not realizing that there was family there, broken. The system in Milwaukee is broken. It is broken. There are kids that are taken away from their moms and dads way too early. Vice versa, there are kids that are taken not soon enough. But I believe the church's job is to step towards and step in and step to the hurt and step to the brokenness, not away. Not just ignore it. That's somebody else's job. That's somebody else's deal. That somebody else is calling. Is it a calling? Yes, we'll talk about that. But we as the church have a responsibility to step towards. Why? Because that's what Christ did for us. Matthew 25 is a great picture. Not only James 1.27, but Matthew 25, a picture of end of days. Christ comes. And the Bible says he'll separate us right from sheep from goats. And he'll say to the sheep on our right, Enter the kingdom, for when I was visited me. When I was thirsty, you brought me something to drink. When I was naked, you put, I like that word, naked. <laughs> when I was naked, you brought me clothes. When I was in jail, you visited me. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. And we'll respond, when did we do this for you? When you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. We have a responsibility to change our focus away from us and what we need and what we have going on to see what Christ sees. Because I'll, I'll tell you this, and it, I'll, I know this from experience, 
that when you ask God to change your focus and to see what he sees, stop seeing. You'll see her in brokenness everywhere. And you'll say, God, how did I miss this? Peter and Paul walked by this guy every single day going to church for good juice. Every single day going to church, they missed it. One day, Holy Spirit came and it changed their focus. And that man stood up. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the guy got up and walked and ran and told it. I'm convicted today that how many times I miss it. How many times I walk and see. Why? Because I'm focused on the wrong thing. I'm focused on what I have going on, what is in my life, what's, my, what's mine to do, and I'm missing what God's seeing. And my heart today for you, church, is that we would ask God to change our focus and that we would begin to see the hurt and the broken, that we would begin to see those around us in our circles, our work. I'm from kids, kids' ministry background. I used to tell the kids this all the time. There's a reason God placed you next to that kid at school. It doesn't r- r- ring very well in here, but there's a reason that God placed you next to that cube. There's a reason God placed you right next to that guy or that lady. There's a reason that you're in that circle. There's a reason you're in that neighborhood. There's a reason that family moved in right next door or across the street. Not for us to ignore, but for us to engage. We need to change our focus. We also have to realize, we had to realize at that moment, Sean and I, as we heard about mom, realize that foster care is not about getting a child for our family. Nothing to do with that. If that's the attitude, that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong heart. We changed our focus and realized that it's about us giving our family for a child. Not getting a child, not getting a little girl that we wanted. It's not right. It's about us giving our family to that child. Third thing that we need to begin on our feet Comfort. Comfort is our enemy, but we love it. I don't want to do any, I keep telling Sharon I need a big leather chair so I can read in the, in the reading nook. It's not about reading, it's about taking a nap. We love comfort, we love ease. We do everything in our lives to make it easier. I drove through Starbucks this morning, got a vente iced caramel macchiato upside down, and that's why I'm talking a little fast. But I didn't have to go inside. I didn't have to leave the air-conditioned van. It's hot outside. We love comfort. How do I know this? Because we wear Crocs. I don't, but some people do. I'm convinced that Crocs that have holes in it, that's where your dignity leaks out. If you wear Crocs, I'm not hating on you, but I'm saying we love comfort. We love sweatpants. We love... Shorts and t-shirts, relax, we love to be comfortable. We don't love hard and broken things. Our lives, we turn sideways from that. But I'm convinced that it's that comfort and complacency that keeps us where we're at. I believe as you guys continue in the series, How to Neighbor, and as you're learning about how to, how to neighbor, that it's not comfortable talked about race relations, talked about talking to people that you don't know, 
getting out of your comfort zone. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're like. I hope, I hope it's not comfortable. It should be very uncomfortable. But again, that's what we're supposed to do. And that's how we move to what God has called us deeper and deeper to, is that we embrace the uncomfortableness and we continue to move. Because if you're not moving forward, you're dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. I don't know about you. I want to set my life to be like his. So how do I do that? I engage the broken. I engage the hurt. Mark chapter 2, it's a great picture. I love it. They're going to put it on the screen. Mark chapter 2, 3, it's a, let me set it up for you. It's a story of the uh, men that cut, cut a hole in the house where Jesus was. We all kind of heard this before. They let, lowered him down right in front of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Like Jesus is preaching and all of a sudden some of the dude's cutting a hole in the roof and stuff's falling. Like what in the world? <laughs> Can't believe people didn't run on the roof and be like, what's going on? Room is packed. No more room. People are sitting in windows. It's packed. But here's a dude who wouldn't give up. He said, you know what? I know that if I can get to Jesus, he'll heal me. And so he gathers four guys, and they go up on the roof. They cut the hole. They drop them down. Jesus says, wow, great faith. Your sins are forgiven. Everybody starts freaking out. The teachers said, What's greater? Say that his sins are forgiven or that he's healed. He says, Get, take your mat and walk. But what I want to highlight here is in verse 3. It says, some men came bringing him on a mat, carried by four of them, some men. It strikes me that in all the glory of that story, that doesn't call out who those men were. It doesn't say, you know what? These were four of his best friends or these were for the leaders of the, of the church community. It just says some men. My hope and prayer for you today is that there would be some men and women who would say, you know, it's not about me. It's not about what I want, but it's what he's called me to. And that you would not worry about what the status is. You would not worry about uh, the name that you get off of it. You would not worry about any excuses but that you would step in. Here's the reality as we move to close here and the so what of today. The reality is that statistics will in this room, 30% of you, over 30% thought about foster care and adoption at one point, but less than 3% do. Why? Because it's hard. Let me tell you, it's, Tron would agree with us, would agree with me is the hardest thing we've ever done. But it's also the most rewarding thing we've ever done. To step into brokenness, not alone. Step into the hurt, alone. See, when God asks us to do things, he doesn't ever ask us to do what he hasn't already done. He's already stepped into our hurt. He's already stepped into our brokenness. So when he calls us out of our comfort and he has us engage, he's already, he's already done it. Some of you sit here today, you're waiting for the confirmation. God, is that you? Is that last night's supper? We're waiting for the confirmation of the big God moment. But you 
in your heart as you sit in this room that God is calling you and stirring you. But what I want to tell you today is that our confirmation a lot of times comes after our obedience. I say that again because that's good. Our confirmation that we're looking for comes after we take that step. Comes after our obedience. In church, when we take a step, God doesn't call you to leap. Let me be clear. God doesn't call you to take this big, giant faith leap. He calls us to take a step. Confirmation comes after our step of faith. So what? You sit here today, you might say, Kevin, I don't even like kids. They get boogers all over my furniture. They smell. They turn 14 and they start to really smell. Right, Ryan? Yeah, that's right. God doesn't call us all to foster care. I don't believe that. I believe that foster care, to be a foster parent, it's a calling. Why? Because, again, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life but the most rewarding. But God doesn't call us all to do that. God doesn't call us all to be foster parents, but God calls us to do something. So today, as we close, what is your something? In Milwaukee County, there are tangible ways to get involved. There's tangible things to do. There's tangible ways for your family to engage foster care. And my hope today is that now that you have heard and you know what's going on in Milwaukee, and you know what it is, that you don't turn away. That you step in and that you engage. How? I'm so glad you asked. Our organization, One Hope 27, one of the things that we do um, to help people take that first step, to help organizations, to help schools take that first step, to bring awareness to foster care, is that when kids are removed from their home, their police are there, um, their social workers there who don't know the kids, and they... Uh, forcibly remove the kids. They always ask mom and dad, hey, can you send them a bag? Can, you, can we get some things together? But again, probably the, the hardest day of that child's life and that parent's life is that moment. And although we celebrate, there's hurt. And so we recognize that. And so what we do is we, uh, we collect items for placement bags, we call them. And so we work with the uh, city of Milwaukee and uh, the bureau downtown. And so when those workers go, they go, they know what age the child is and approximate size. And so they take a bag that comes with pajamas, a toothbrush, underwear, and an outfit. Because a lot of times you get a call uh, at 10 o'clock and they're there at 12 o'clock. So you as a foster parent don't have a whole lot of time to kind of figure things out. You might have some stuff in the basement, but you might, ha- you might not. And so we just want to help ease the burden. And in those bags are cards that kids uh, write to other kids. It's like, hey, I know today's hard, but you're loved. And so if you have a business today, you're like, you know what, we always do a giving tree uh, during Christmas time, or we do shoe drives, maybe we could do something for One Hope. We just ask that it's new. So new pajamas, uh, new clothes, how, whatever that looks like, uh, we can, you can connect with us. You can connect with us through social media, just uh, at One Hope 27, all spelled out, 27, uh, the number, no, uh, no space. Also, you can give. We have a huge, I don't even, I probably shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't share this. I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, 
we have a heart to help moms in foster care. Because I believe and we've experienced when there's uh, moms that all they need is some support. And so our goal, One Hope 27, in the next year, year and a half, uh, is to open a kind of a, uh, a home that uh, a couple moms could be in that we'd offer them support. We'd take them to their visits. The amount of stuff that they have to do to get their kids back is amazing. Without support, they fail. And so what we want to do as an organization is say, okay, yes, we need to help kids that are in foster care right now, but we also need to go upstream and say, how do we keep them from coming into foster care? And so we're going to go upstream a little bit. We're going to help those moms get their kids back, give them tools, help them find places, help them find jobs. But that doesn't come without expense. We need a home. We need an apartment. uh, We need funds. We need a house manager. We need lots of things. Again, we're we're still just starting this process. If you want to give uh, financially, you can do that. But what else? Kevin, I don't have a home. Uh, I don't like kids. My business won't let me do a drive. Okay, cool. Great. What do you have? I have a landscaping business. Awesome. There are foster parents in your community uh, and in the community of Milwaukee that would love somebody to just add their house to the landscaping route. That as you cut this house and this house and this house, you drive by this house and cut their lawn. And you can use that for you guys and say, hey, why, why am I not writing an invoice for this? Oh, we're doing that because they're a foster parent. Maybe you're a baker. Maybe you love making meals, just like you do meals for new moms. Everybody does that, right? Moms have babies. We need to get them stuff. What about foster parents? that take a new placement? What about bunk beds? There are many things that you can do. And maybe right now you're thinking of it. You're thinking, okay, wait, hold on a second. I got this stuff. I got this bunk bed. Maybe somebody could use it. Hey, I think my business could maybe engage this way. I can't take a placement, but I can give. Or maybe today you're, you're the one. Maybe you're the 30% that has said, hey, We've talked about this. We just talked about this. Men of faith, rise up. This is typically a woman's, hey, this is what we're going to do. Man, men of faith, rise up. This is what we're going to do. That's how you lead your family. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to engage. Is foster care a long journey? Yes. Do, are, is foster care necessary? Yes. Can you adopt out of foster care? Yes, should you adopt out of foster care? It's debatable. But should you engage? Yes. If you're here today and you want to know about the process, how do we've been thinking about it. I don't know how, to ha- how it happens. I want to know. We've been doing it eight years. We'll give you some advice. We have, we're not that far down the road, but we're a little bit farther than that. We can help connect you. We can point you to resources to connect. We can point you to resources about safe families. Safe families is up the road the river. They work with moms before CPS gets involved. Maybe that's you. One of our neighbors is involved with Safe Families. And what a beautiful thing to side by side walk with a mom, provide support that nobody else is giving. Just say, hey, let me help you. Hey, let me take you here. Hey, let me give you some advice. Let me help you figure out this application. Ah, There's so many ways that we can get involved, church. Don't let our comfort stop us from engaging.
because that's what Christ did for us. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this church and their heart to serve and their heart to engage. God, I pray today for those families that are wrestling with if they should. God, I pray that faith would rise in them right now and that they would take a step to say yes. Before any confirmation that's needed, that they would say yes. Why? Because that's what you did for us, God. Lord, I pray that you would use Crosspoint in the Milwaukee and West Dallas to continue to engage their community, to continue to turn towards hurt, continue to turn towards brokenness. It's hard. It's tough. But God, you didn't call us to do anything you haven't done. God, give us faith to see, change our focus today. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Kevin. How many of you, like... A bunch of times during that message, just wanted to say amen. Yeah, why didn't you? <laughs> you can say it. I know, I struggle too. You just say it. Just say it. Just shout it out. It doesn't matter. I bet you he would appreciate that. It was so good. Thank you so much, brother, for challenging us, for sharing your heart with us. If you would like to thank Kevin and Sharon, feel free to um, just introduce yourself today. Get to know them a little bit. And... Um, I think they would appreciate that, and I would too. So uh, please rise. I'm going to give you the benediction, and then you guys will be free to go. From 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 17, please bow your heads with me. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Amen. You are dismissed.